Uh, so the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about going deeper. Darian has been doing a series, our vision series, where we've been invited to go deeper as followers of Jesus. There's a tendency, even for those of us who have been following Jesus a very long time, to get stagnant and stuck and just stay in one place with our faith, rather than going and exploring all of the deep things that God has for us, the joy that is available there, the freedom that is available there. We tend sometimes to just get stuck in the shallows. And what we're going to be talking today about today as we go into this is the idea of storms. Because the reality is, even as we go deeper in following Jesus, there are going to be things that feel out of our control, that feel bigger than us, that feel more powerful than us, and feel dangerous, even as we're following Jesus. And we're going to see that in our passage today in Matthew 8, because this passage starts off with Jesus' followers all following him, and, and then he, he was delivering some um, a message on a mountain, then they go down from the mountain, and the very first thing that happens is they a guy with leprosy comes up to him. And Jesus meets the guy with leprosy, and he says, can I be healed? And Jesus heals this man of leprosy. Leprosy was an incredibly contagious disease. If you were around someone with leprosy, you were considered to be unclean. But in this moment, the, the, the holiness, the, the health of Jesus is passed over to this person with leprosy. So the disciples see that. And then the next thing that they see is, is Jesus meets another man, and a Roman centurion comes up to Jesus. Now, you have to understand that, that Israel at this time was an occupied land. There was a foreign empire that was oppressing them. The closest example to what would be happening right now is, is if this was happening in the Ukraine and a Russian official comes to Jesus and says, I would like you to heal my servant. A Roman centurion comes up to Jesus and said, can you heal my servant? And she says, okay, I'll go. And the Roman centurion says, no, 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 no. Uh, uh, I don't want you to come to my house. I'm not worthy of that. But, but I believe that you are powerful and that you give orders. I give orders. People do what I say. You can do that too. And Jesus says, okay, fine. And he heals this servant of a Roman centurion, the person of the occupying force. Then they go into Peter's house, and Peter's mother-in-law is there, and she's sick. And Jesus touches her hand, and she gets better and immediately begins to wait on him, which I kind of feel is like, can we give her a break first? Can we just let her, let her a couple of minutes to herself? But no, immediately. Thank you, Peter's mother-in-law, but we should maybe talk about some of this stuff. Um, but she's healed. And then when he's there, people start bringing people that are demon-possessed to him, people that are sick, people that are in the control of something that they don't understand. And Jesus starts to, to cast out demons and to heal all of those people. And then this crowd starts to get too big. It starts to get too uh, overwhelming. And Jesus says, okay, guys, get a boat, and we're going to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which sea is a little bit confusing. It's also a lake. It's not that big a sea. But they're going to take a boat to the other side. And then as they're waiting, a teacher of the law comes up to Jesus and says, hey, I would like to, to, to follow you. And Jesus says to the teacher of the law, well, get ready for homelessness because that's what I do. Are you ready to live in that? And this teacher of the law seems to leave. And then another disciple says to Jesus, hey, um, I, I need to go and bury my father. And Jesus says, that is not enough of a commitment. You need to stay here. Let the dead bury their own dead. Really weird scene that happens. 
and then they get in the boat, and they go, they're going to ha- go to the other side of the lake, and then this happens. They got in the boat, and his disciples followed him, and suddenly a great storm came upon the lake, so that the waves swept up over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping, and the disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. So they're in this moment where they have done everything right all day. They have followed Jesus faithfully every single step all day long. They are literally as close to Jesus as they can possibly be. We're not talking like a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. The the boat that they would have been in would have been like the size of the drum case there. They're as close to Jesus as they can be, and they're in the middle of a storm, and they feel like they're going to die. Now, this is Alberta. Um, so while you guys know all about storms, you might not necessarily w- know what it's like to be in a storm on a boat. I am from Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island, and I took oceanography in grade 11, so I have a little bit of a deeper understanding of storms. And if you've never experienced it, it is terrifying to stand even on a ferry and find yourself shaken to be walking down a, 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 to be walking down a hallway on a ferry boat that's this massive and find yourself just being bounced off the sides of the walls as you walk down this hallway to be sitting in a car on a ferry and have a wave hit the side of the boat and watch cars move because of the force of the storm to stand in a boat watching and only have two views, one sky, one sea, one sky, one sea, seeing nothing else. It is terrifying. And you can understand why the disciples thought that they were going to die in this storm. And as much as this was a literal storm, and it's worthwhile to study oceanography in grade 11 to learn about that, Sadly, Alberta has very few oceanography courses I've learned for my children. They have to take sciences like chemistry. Don't learn anything about tides. Um, As much as this is a literal storm, we also understand that this is a metaphor. We also understand what it's like to find ourselves in a position where 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 wherever we are in our lives that we are shaken where we just planned to get in a boat and go to the other side of the lake, where we just planned to get married and have everything go okay, where we just planned to buy a house and have it work out all right, where we just planned to have a child and have them be healthy. We just planned on all of those things, and in the middle of it, everything breaks apart and we feel completely out of control. And the circumstances of our lives are shaking us to the point where we feel like we're being bounced off of things that we do not understand. We're seeing things in our lives that we thought were so solid that could never, ever be moved, and we're just seeing them shaken. And we get to the point where we feel like we can't see anything else but the dangerous circumstances that are all around us. We know what that is like. We understand what it's like to live in those storms, every one of us. And we can end up in two trains of thought here that I feel are unhelpful. 
the first one that we can end up in is we're in the middle of our storm and we're saying, well, we start to, we're, and we're feeling like we're shaken and we're torn into pieces and, and we're helpless and out of control and we start to feel like other people's storms are worse than mine so I don't deserve to feel shaken at all. That storm's bad. My storm's not bad. I should just be able to handle it better. That's not a helpful train of thought. Your storm is your storm. And if you feel out of control, you feel out of control. We're not here to compare storms, although you can do that on a scale with like, anyway. And we're not here to compare storms. We're also not here to find out why and how you got into the storm, because at this point, it's really not helpful. These disciples followed Jesus all the way. They did everything exactly right all day long, and they're with Jesus, and they're still in the middle of a storm. So it isn't very profitable for us to ask right now, in the middle of the storm, how we got here. That isn't helpful. What is helpful sometimes, though, is having words to describe our feelings. Can we go to the next one this is yeah this is this is called a feeling wheel you can just google it uh it's i think it was originally designed for children but i have found it actually really incredibly helpful in my own life to start going through and being like i'm fearful what kind of fearful am i okay i'm threatened the sea feels like it's going to crush me i feel exposed because i'm in the boat the size of a drum kit case and I feel like this is going to, to, to crush me. I feel overwhelmed because the, 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 the sea is going to destroy me. I feel all of these things. And one of the frustrating things about a storm is this seems like it happened pretty quickly. We all know what it's like, though, to be in a long storm. Most of us know how to get through a short storm. We all know what it's like to be in the middle of a, a, a long storm. And pretty quickly... What goes from just being fearful now turns into angry and disappointed because you feel betrayed because you did everything right. I followed you all day long, and now we're going to die at sea? We feel betrayed. We feel furious. We feel hostile, and that bitterness grows inside us through the depth of the storm because we still feel shaken we still feel out of control. We still are seeing things that we thought would not move be just moved by the force of the storm that we're living in. And it's so easy to get overwhelmed. We understand what that's like to find ourselves in a place where we thought our relationship was going to work out and it didn't. We thought our bodies were going to be healthy and then they weren't. We thought a job was going to go well and then it didn't. And this happens, these storms happen every time there is a gap between what we think ought to be going on and what is actually going on. We understand what that's like. So the rest of the story goes that in the midst of this storm, they, Jesus is sleeping, they're being shaken by this, by this storm, and they go to him and they say, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. They wake him up and then Jesus does reply he says you of little faith why are you so afraid then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm and the men were amazed and asked what kind of man is this that even the wind and the seas obey him 
Now, at this point, I want to say I hope that I haven't tricked you into thinking that this was going to be a sermon about how to deal with storms. It's not. Um, as much as there are some techniques, there's a feeling wheel. There's being around other people. There are certain techniques that you can learn to get you through a storm. The reality is the only way to go through a storm is through it. And as much as I can walk with you, as much as I can walk beside you, I can show you maybe some things that work for me, you're just going to have to go through it and you know it. This is not a sermon primarily about how to deal with storms. Because as we see, the only advice that I have and the only advice that I would give is the exact same that the disciples used. When they were in the middle of the storm, they grabbed Jesus and they said, save us! In another depiction of the same story in Luke, they grab Jesus and they say, don't you care that we're about to drown? So if you're in the middle of that storm, I want to affirm to you 100% and always that the thing to do right now is to grab a hold of Jesus and yell for him to save you. Because it's fascinating the way that we hear scripture sometimes. We have tone issues sometimes. Uh, so the Bible is a written word, and uh, and when we hear the story, we're imagining all of the tones of voice in our head, right? And sometimes the tone of voice, when you hear something you read, tells us much more about you than it tells us about the, uh, 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 the, about the person who sent the message, okay? Here's an example. My wife will occasionally text me, where are you? Now that is a perfectly normal thing for one spouse to text another spouse. But because of me and how I feel about myself sometimes, rather than hearing the simple question, where are you? What I hear in my head is, where are you? That doesn't tell you anything about my wife. That tells you everything about me. Right? So some of you, when you read this, heard Jesus in an angry voice saying, oh, you of little faith. Like he was annoyed at them. Or like he was angry. Or that he was frustrated. And can I just suggest to you that if you heard Jesus say that in an, in an angry voice, that might tell us a lot more about who you are than about who Jesus is. And maybe... We need to allow Jesus to be a little bit different. Because what's interesting about this, because there's another tone where Jesus is like, you have little faith. Did you not remember everything else that happened today? Did you not remember when I came down from the mountain and healed the guy with leprosy? I was in charge of his sickness. Do you not remember that the Roman centurion came up to me? And I healed the guy in his house from a distance. Do you not remember when I healed Peter's mother-in-law and then she got up and gave us stuff? We didn't give her a break. But that's, did you forget that? Did you forget all of the people that were bringing people and I cast out demons and I healed their diseases? Did you forget about that? Did you really think? That after all of those things, being in charge of sickness, being in charge of the empire and the political powers of this world, being in charge of demons and the supernatural, being in charge of every family relationship, 
Do you think that after all of this, this story ends at the bottom of the Sea of Galilee? Do you think that that's the way this story ends? Do you think that I did all of this? I brought you this far. I asked you to follow me just so we could end up the subject of a bad sea shanty? Jesus is saying, please pay attention. Because they're amazed that the wind and seas obey him. But what Jesus has just demonstrated all day long is that everything obeys him. There is not a thing that is outside of his control. So if you're asking how to deal with storms, the only step that I have for you is grab a hold of Jesus and ask him to calm it. And the reason why we can do that is because this one that the land and the seas obey, your body and its sicknesses obey him. Your family relations and your financial situation obeys him. The political powers and the empires of this world obey him. The supernatural forces of this world that occupy us and push us to where we feel like we're out of control, they obey him. Everything obeys Jesus. So if you're in the middle of a storm, the first and most important thing for you to do is to grab a hold of Jesus and ask him to calm it. But there's a very interesting subject, uh, uh, subtext to this question, who is this that even the wind and seas obey? And it's going to invite us into the third part. Because as much as the wind and seas obey him and he's able to calm the storm, there's a subtext to this question that says, like, wait a minute. If you're in charge of the sea now, weren't you in charge of the sea before the storm as well? You couldn't have just like put out a blanket like, hey guys, I'm on the sea right now. Everybody relax for like the next 45 minutes or so and then you can have your storm freak out, right? And if I'm one of the disciples, I'm like, wait a minute, why did you do this? And what? If we're going to genuinely go deeper and not stay in the shallows, as we've been invited to do over this last little while and are hoping to do in the future, we're going to have to realize not just that Jesus is in charge of the storm, but that Jesus created the storm as an invitation for you to know him better. Because they're asking, who is this? And Jesus is like, yeah, come, get to know me better. Who am I that even the winds and seas obey me? Who am I that I'm in charge of all of these things, that everything obeys me? Come, know me. I am the creator of heaven and earth. I am the one who everything obeys. Come, get to know me even better now. And if we're going to go into the deep, we need to understand that every storm is an invitation. As powerless as we feel, as scared as we feel, as uncomfortable as it is for us to live in that gap between where what we want and what is actually happening around us, that discomfort is an invitation to know Jesus better. And I want you to... Allow this thought to enter your mind that maybe 
every bit of that storm obeyed Jesus the whole way along, not just its calming, but also its beginning. And that every wave, every wind, every moisture band that circles the eye of the storm and then gets drawn into the storm, grade 11 oceanography, that that Jesus was in charge of all of that too. And the invitation at this moment, at this time, is to know him better. To hear from him and to understand that when we are with him, the storm can be shaking us all over the place. The storm can be bouncing us off the walls. The storm can be moving all things in our life that we thought were immovable. It can be making limiting our vision to the point where we can only see the circumstances of everything that is going on around us, and we cannot see anything else. What we are invited to at that point is to just know Jesus better, to sit with him, to hear his voice, to allow him to comfort us, and to allow him to tell us that I am not going to allow your story to end this way. The storm is an invitation for us to know Jesus better and deeper than we have before. It's sort of an interesting thing that happens with these translations and tone as well, because we have this word that is like, then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves. And in our culture, most of us understand the word rebuked as a, as a pretty harsh condemnation, that we would like, he's yelling at the wind and the waves. It's interesting, in the actual Greek, the way that this word is translated is like how you would calm down a toddler. That this is the word that you would use to, to tell an over-exuberant child to be careful. And that Jesus at this moment, maybe what the disciples saw as a storm that was going to kill them and destroy them was just the sea being so excited that the creator of heaven and earth was, was in a boat in the sea that it just got a little bit, little bit overexcited. A little bit shaky. And Jesus, what Jesus is saying at this moment is like, okay, calm down, guys, calm down, calm down, relax. This invitation is hard, though, because the reality is, and what we all know, is that as much as we know from step two that the thing to do when you're in the, in the middle of the storm is to grab a hold of Jesus and yell at him to stop it, we all know that Jesus doesn't always stop it, and that there are things in our life that, that we expected that, that if God was good that he would put an end to, and he doesn't. And we all understand what it's like to have that gap where someone gets sick and they are not and they are not healed. Where we have a relationship that no matter how much effort we put into trying to have reconciliation and make this thing right, that it just keeps tearing apart where we know what it's like to, to, to have found ourselves in a situation that we, we feel like we just can't get out of, and, and every opportunity that Jesus had just to, to make this thing stop, he, he doesn't. And again, I don't have any advice for you at this moment in time, but what I would like to share with you is at that moment, Jesus is in the boat with you. And that there is no part of that storm that is going to hurt you eternally because Jesus is in the boat with you. 
and the challenge of storms for us, the invitation of storms for us is to take our eyes off the storm and turn our eyes toward Jesus. It's incredibly hard. I know, I know I'm not asking for something light because the storm is very real and the waves are very high and it is very, very scary and uncomfortable and we feel powerless and small and abandoned. So I know that this is hard, but that invitation at that moment in time is to know Jesus better. The last thing that Jesus says to his disciples, they've experienced this, they've gotten to know him over years, they've seen him go to the cross and die on their behalf, and then they come and he's sending them out. And he says this fascinating thing, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. That's not a new statement. Everything always obeyed Jesus. He demonstrated that to them the whole way through his ministry, that, that our bodies obeyed him and that the empires obeyed him and that the law obeys him and that our family relations obey them. All authority has been given to me, and that has been extended to us as well. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Surely I am with you always. Surely I am with you always. In the middle of the storm, I am with you always. When it gets confusing, I am with you always. When you feel powerless, I am with you always. When you feel out of control, I am with you always. The promise is not a life without storms. That is not what we are given. Jesus also told his disciples before he went to the cross, he said, you will have much trouble in this world, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And the exciting invitation for us as followers of Jesus is to be able to sit in the middle of the storm and its pain and its discomfort and its confusion and everything that is going on that makes us feel small and powerless and ignored and know that the God of the universe is in the boat with us and cares deeply about everything that we are going through. I'd like us all to bow our heads as we pray our eyes. We've been offering invitations at every point in this sermon series, and we're going to continue to do that today. If you're in this room and, and or you're watching online and you don't know Jesus, if you feel like you don't know the one in the boat yet, I would like to invite you to know him. That Jesus, as we already sang, came down to this earth to know you and that is what he wants more than anything else more than your happiness more than your comfort Jesus desperately wants to know you so if you don't know Jesus I would like to invite you to know him and maybe if you're in a situation where you've been following Jesus but that storm has gotten real real big and it's taken up a lot of your attention and you have forgotten for a while to remember that Jesus is in the boat with you. 
I would like you to offer you the opportunity to recommit as well. So with every head bowed, every eyes closed, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to invite you to commit to Jesus in a new way today. God, we thank you for every soul that you brought here today. And you did not bring them here. You did not bring them through everything in their life that they have gone through in order to leave them abandoned at the bottom of the ocean. But rather you brought them here so they could know you better. So they could experience your grace and your hope and your peace and your love now and for eternity. And I pray that at this moment that those who are on the edge of committing to you would feel your invitation inviting them into what you have available. That those who feel like they're hearing your voice in an angry tone, that they would hear your voice properly with the kind invitation of a loving heart that says, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So I would like to ask you if you are, if you are hoping, if you're going to commit your life to Jesus today, to, to raise your hand and demonstrate your commitment. I want to know Jesus, the one who came to save me. I want to know Jesus, the one who came to heal me. I want to know Jesus, the one who came to make my eternity and my present clear now and forever. I want to thank everybody who participated in that. And as we enter back, to singing. Just pray that this moment, as we prepare to sing of God's actions in our world, that we would be deeply aware that when we sing about God's love chasing us, when we sing about God's love grabbing us and taking hold of us, that we would understand that these words are not about other people. These are not for other people who are not in this room, but these are deeply about you. God is after you.